welcome to episode 20 of the Tai Chi Notebook podcast. I'm Graham Barlow, and in this episode, I'm interviewing my old friend, Matt Hill. Matt has a long history in martial arts, starting with Aikido, training under Morihiro Saito Sensei in Japan in the early 90s. From there, he joined the Parachute Regiment, leaving as a captain in 2003. After this, he started training in Sistema under Vladimir Vasiliev, and now owns and runs the Sistema Academy in Wiltshire, England. And that's where we recorded this podcast. Matt was kind enough to give me a one-to-one in Sistema before we recorded, where we focused on the four pillars of Sistema, breathing, relaxation, posture, and movement. Matt also teaches bushcraft and runs a yearly jungle retreat where he takes a team of people trekking through the jungle. His next destination is Northern India, and we talk about that as well. So here he is. So, Matt Hill, hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Very good. Great to see you after so long. Yes, it's been, we were just talking about this, it's been about three years. It's pre-pandemic we last got together, wasn't it? it was. Yeah, Yeah. it was. Uh, I think, yeah, three years, as you were saying, maybe even touching four. Wow. And a lot changed over those um, pandemic years, didn't they? You actually, your academy went online, didn't it? Mm. So uh, I remember the... The week, it must have been February, was it February or March? I can't remember. February, I think, um, when it was, I, I remember vividly teaching a class here and there were only about three or four people. Yeah. And I went back to Sarah and I said, this isn't looking good, actually. If we <laughs> lock down, you know, because it's my income for the family, you know, I'm professional in it. So mm. it, um, it, it could have had very big consequences and there was no idea that there was going to be furlough payment or, you know, grants and things, which... You know, Britain was amazing. I spoke to Vladimir mm. and Valerie last week. They got nothing like that in Canada. They didn't get any payments from the government. Oh my no goodness. No furlough payments. They put people on their own. Yeah. So um, we were really lucky, but I didn't know that at that stage. And I went back to Sarah. I said, I need to do something here. And I kind of, I'd heard about one person had asked me to join a Zoom call. So I right. heard about this thing called Zoom. <laughs> oh, we all know online. Zoom now, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I got online and looked into it. And then from the next morning, I uh, I figured out that night and I put out an email to all the club members and said, look, okay, when, if it locks down, will the, it'll continue. Because luckily in Sistema, there's a lot you can do solo. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of a little bit like what we did this morning. Um, and lots of variations on that. And so I, I said the classes will continue, you know, and, and, you know, being able to continue to breathe, move, stay healthy, get your immune system, you know, high and, and, and engaging with other people will be a, a good thing during this period. And, you know, all the kind of honest, but, you know, reasons to keep going that I could think of. And, um, you know, hope you join me on the journey. And, and most of my academy stayed with it. And, um, and also I got a lot of other people because... I, I was kind of one of the first movers. There's not many professional systemic people in the world anyway. No. But um, I was one of the first movers in terms of going online. And so I picked up a lot of people from around the world as well. So mm. in some ways, my academy actually grew. You know, I didn't do the wow. and things, but the, yeah. the membership of it grew during the period. You know, the, the, I, I charged much less for online membership than, than I do for in-person, but... Yeah. Yeah, and especially if you're teaching in English, the yeah. you know your worldwide market is is huge, isn't it? Yeah, I remember some in the early days. I had people, you know, it was probably it was a global class. There were people from America and Australia and New Zealand, and Japan. Oh, great, yeah. it was great. Yeah. Yeah, you except were, it's the middle of the night for them, but you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I had like morning, mid morning classes and kind of e- early evening and evening classes. So there was quite a spread of stuff that people could yeah. link into. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I'm, we've just done some Sistema, which I really enjoyed. Thank you very much. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was great um, to share it. It's great to be taught by a professional. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, a professional approach to things. And because um, obviously I mainly do jujitsu these days, mm. I still practice my Tai Chi forms and things like that. Yeah. But striking has receded into the distance for me. Mm. So it was really nice to um, focus a bit on relaxing, moving, and striking sort of combined together. I was just commenting on how out of nowhere the Sistema strikes seemed to come. It was, it was really nice to get hit again, actually. I haven't been hit for ages, and it was, I kind of missed it. <laughs> but it was also, it's surprising, because you're just standing in front of me, and then bang. There's no wind-up. There's no, there's no like, hey, I'm going to do a martial arts stance and punch you. It just kind of comes out of your movement. I thought that was brilliant. 
How does that apply to Sistema as a whole? So the idea of that, uh, Vlad's got to say, that you, you should be able to hit someone and stay human. Uh, you shouldn't have to turn into some kind of aggressive berserker to, mm. to be able to, to have to hit someone, you know, even in defence. So the idea where the power comes from in Sistema that, A, it comes from relaxation, doesn't mean it's not, you don't hit someone hard, but you hit with relaxation, not emotion and, and muscle. It, it, it doesn't come from anger or aggression. But also that from that, you know, as soon as I put tension in, like mm. you see the strike coming because mm. you know you prepare with your muscles and and so the the, the surprise that comes with it, it it adds to the shock factor. I think that where did that power come from? Because it, there was no build up, there was no yeah. I'm not triggered in the same way. I'm not yeah. I'm not almost ready for it yeah uh, psychologically. It, it it catches me off balance mentally. Yes. Yes, and also it's quite therapeutic because it's like in some ways, yeah, it's like a massage and, and it, it, it releases tension from you. I did like when you when you hit me with the harder one, I did almost laugh, and, but it was almost like the laugh was a release of something inside me, not because yeah. I was laughing at you. Yeah, it's because the I didn't expect it, and so the body's response was to kind of let out a bit of tension, which yeah. came out almost as a laugh, which was yeah. quite interesting sort of natural reactions to things. Yeah, yeah, so it, it, it comes from natural movement, um, so it, it's harder to see. You know, you, you see clips of saying invisible system and things like that, which can, you know, be a bit misleading. The, the invisible bit is not noticed so much. They're not shapes and movements that, that you generally notice and see as um, martial even. Mm. Um, which is, we were talking earlier, you know, the, the idea of where it came from um, for, for a soldier is that you know the last thing they want to do whether they're doing um, operations in a in a, a city or a town where there's people around or whether you're on a battlefield the last thing a soldier wants to do is stand out and be seen so so the, the kind of that idea runs through the whole of the system and that the natural movement ideally I, I guess is normal movement mm. so nothing out of extraordinary about it nothing eye catching or attention catching but also then that comes from internal you know like your emotions if I sort of so a normal healthy person or you know that's clean isn't kind of um, their their responses their actions their interactions aren't driven by you know, ideally you know anger or frustration or stress or you know pride or ego or greed if you if you can be clean I know these are kind of quite lofty ideals but mm. but it's, it's like a spectrum you can be moving in that direction even if you're not you know, clean and pure or whatever. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on board, isn't it? When you maybe you turned up for a martial arts class. And yeah, now, yeah. now I've got to confront my inner demons before I can <laughs> move uh, around. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, there's, there's a saying on the wall up there from Vladimir that you know you don't in a systemic you don't come to the class to um, to to learn you know spectacular moves or fancy kicks. You come to work on your own pride, ego. Um, Frustrations, self-pity, yeah, anger, and and, and some of the slow work allows you to see that more, you know, and, and like a good teacher will say, okay, you moved out of tension there or out of fear or um, aggression, yeah. yeah, and to just notice that and breathe it out and clean it, and then you know, get clean movement again. Clean movement is a word that's used a lot. In yeah, that's a nice, a nice phrase that, because it's emotionally clean, isn't it? Mm. And, and and as you, all the breathing out to release things. Yeah, it feels like a cleansing type movement, doesn't it? Yeah. What's different between what you're saying and a lot of other martial arts is I think you actually really mean it. You, you can't be aggressive. Like, no, that's aggression. Don't do that. Yeah. That's, that's, that this is muscle. Don't use muscle. Use relaxation. And it's a it's, it's a different level of the of the the idea that is essentially in all martial arts is that you you're becoming a better person or yeah. Stuff I think like that. that yeah the it's one of the things that that quite caught me quickly in Sistema was that it that the Sistema had an actual method of teaching those things mm. um, that I'd heard about a lot about. You know, now you need to relax more. I'd heard a bit a bit about breathing and some of them, as in you know, you need to breathe, but not really giving you pointers on how to make sure that happens. Just you know, yeah, breathe. So like Sistema had some some really useful and workable methodology that showed you how to relax. And was able to point out and let you see it quite clearly where you're tense, where you're holding your breath, um, where that tension is locking you, restricting you, tiring you out too quick. 
and and you know showing you how to how to correct those things, and then as we said earlier, how to take that into your everyday stuff rather than just you know limit your training to that couple of hours on the mat. Yeah, that was definitely the the sense I got was that I could do all these things you're you're talking about, or or try and train them. It doesn't have to be in a martial art. I could do this while I'm making a cup of tea. Mm. I can do this when I'm just moving objects around the house. I kind of want to do it while I'm <laughs> while I'm making a cup of tea now. Like, you know, it, it, I, I look at that as an opportunity to practice moving and relaxing and not muscling it. You know, yeah. like even picking up the kettle, something simple like that. You know, yeah. how do you pick up the kettle? Do you, I, yeah. I, are you just sort of grabbing it carelessly and wrenching it around, or you know, are you just relaxing? And how much more effort, you know, how much more effort are you using than is needed for that job? And where are you, you know, where are you tense? Yeah, um, me, lower back mainly. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's got their little bits, haven't they? Yeah, they have. It's yeah. very individual. I mean, yes. how, how into, because Systema, teaching Systema like you're doing, mm. seems to be a very individual process to me. So how, is that encouraged in Systema? Yeah, and not, not kind of, um, yeah, it's a good question. So. Because Systema is not a technique-based or kind of um, structure-based, like a structured mm. uh, martial art, it, it, it's based on principles. So anyone listening that, that is kind of new to Systema or the idea of it, it's, it's based on four principles, breathing, movement, relaxation, and, and posture or structure. And the idea is that you kind of have got an awareness of those four things, whatever you're doing, whether you're moving on the ground, standing, walking, grappling, wrestling, dodging a knife attack, you know, in a mass attack, or, um, or, or, or any of the scenarios in between. So the idea is that if you're working those four principles, then there'll be more of a natural response emotionally and physically coming from your body. And then if that is a natural response, it'll be you. Kind of not someone else's form or someone else's shape yeah. or someone else's idea that because really though you know those things aren't <coughs> systemas or michaels or vladimir's they're kind of kind of your birthright really you know and, and if you watch a, a toddler as soon as they can stand they stand pretty straight mm. you know pretty the breathing will be pretty good and, and and their movements will be natural not contrived or you know or anything like that so then if, it, if it's you coming through then it, you know that your your experience and your capability and your your personality will come through in it so in that way it's you because you're not conformed to doing someone else's shapes whether that's your teachers or someone from 3000 years ago that kind of wrote them down in a book so there's no syllabus that all systemic schools must follow this no. method it's no. what the instructor feels like almost Doing yeah, that. so it was hard for me, really hard, because I came from a a martial arts wise, a, a kind of form technique based. Yeah, martial arts. Because you've done Aikido for twenty five years or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but also my army training. You know, you lesson plan and you kind of you know you you've yeah. got the key points you want to hit through the lesson and yeah. you know the remind and revise. And I, I was never completely that structured, but obviously that had coloured the way that I teach and instruct. And still a little bit, you know, I've mm. got those methods of instruction in how I do things. But um, Michael said, you know, and, and Vladimir say, you shouldn't really have an idea of what you're going to teach when you turn up. Just go and you feel the, the need of the, the people there and yeah. you give them what they need in that session, at that time, at that moment. And the two can sit together a little bit. So you can have an idea of a plan mm. and then be free and flexible to move around that and off it as, as dictated by the group there. But... I felt quite exposed and, you know, yeah. but it's right. Well, it depends what you're trying to get across, of course. You know, it depends what your aim is in t training the people that are there, yeah. I guess. It, it depends what the aim of the thing is. But, but for sure, I can see the wisdom in that idea that, you know, whatever ideas you've got coming into the class, it needs to be coloured by who's in it. Yeah, so talking about the, the class, like, what sort of people do you typically find come to systemic classes? Is there a type or is it a complete... Cross spectrum of everyone around. Good question. So, so again, you can um, that can be a little bit down to the teacher who's teaching it. Mm. You know, kind of what they because because you can you know take systema and, and be just kind of combative about it. And so some classes don't have anything like the amount of movement and breath work uh, in them as kind of maybe I showed here today. Some of them might be a lot of internal work where there's not that much 
big shapes, physically movement going mm. on, but a lot of internal awareness. And some of them might be kind of more, more of a balance of, and that, that's where I try and sit mine, a balance of healthy movement, healthy breathing, cleaning your emotions out, and then carrying that into whatever flavor of, of the, the combat side of system that, that we're doing. So I've got all sorts. I've got kids' classes, family classes on a Saturday morning with mm. three-year-olds, um, right the way up to, in some of the health classes, I've got some 60, 70, 80-year-olds. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. which is great. Um, yeah. And then... And then men, women, so it's quite a mix, really. Um, yeah. You, I get quite a few people that have done a lot of martial arts, but are a bit broken, you know, in their bodies and things, and it, it kind of heals them while still doing that thing. There's still some grappling, there's still some striking, but maybe not the intensity that if you went to a, a BJJ or an MMA club or a boxing club, you know, you, mm. you kind of the intensity's up there, and and you know, you you that risk of injury is higher. So I get quite a few of those. Yeah, I'd, I'd say my average age is kind of more, apart from the family class, more kind of 30s, 40s, kind of than 20s, 30s. So 40s, 50s rather than 20s, 30s, I would yeah, say. Yeah, slightly more mature people. Yeah, that, that kind of see what it has to, or, or have felt the need in themselves of what it has to offer. So, you know, in terms of the way it makes you feel at the end of the class, you know, decompressed, relaxed, you know, stress has been hit or moved or breathed or shifted out and you kind of feel better at the end and then, but they mm. still get that fun of the martial arts that they've always loved or just you know a, a very different approach to kind of health and so some of my classes are just health classes or solo classes where yeah because you've got, a lot more you've got like a timetable haven't you your mm. website so it's like a health class from this time to this time and then a more combat yeah like but they normally follow on so i imagine people come for the first one to sort of hang on for but, the yeah yeah lots of time people come for that and then they kind of stay the other one or come for the combat one and you know kind of do the, the the health movement one as well yeah because it's all the same stuff isn't it yeah it's just a different flavor of the same stuff yeah <laughs> you, you, like yeah different um what's the word utilization of it in combat so you, you kind of the, the same principles run through all of it and then you yeah. can use it for, for self-defense in combat or you know for the fun or even other sports you know so I've done some stuff with sports teams as well to when they scientifically look at how changes make small incremental improvements and yeah. but you know when you're playing in small percentages they kind of make the difference so you know just breathing a little bit better for an hour and a half uh, it can make a massive difference to what you got left in the tank in the last 10 minutes sort of thing yeah I'm talking about breathing it was really noticeable how I forgot about my breathing as soon as I had to think about something else mm. and you and then you're kind of like Keep breathing. I'm like, oh, I've stopped breathing. Mm. Yeah, it, it, you just don't notice these subtle little things, do you? Yeah. Which yeah. Um, I thought that was fascinating. We're talking about breathing. I mean, breathing is such a big part of Systema. I wonder how they got into this idea of breathing and how fundamental it was and connected it to martial arts. I mean, how, how do those two things get put together? And why do you think those two things got put together? I so Michael uh, talked about this a little bit. Uh, I can't remember whether he, he told me it or whether I read it or heard it, but he talked about, you know, in the, the early days of martial arts when the warriors guarded the churches, temples, that kind of thing. Mm. And um, they would, you know, they would have to go off and, you know, rightly or wrongly, do some very difficult things, you yeah. know, emotionally difficult things too, you know, like seeing your... With PTSD, basically, but seeing your, you know, your friends get killed, maimed, mutilated, or you have to do the same thing to defend yourself, or in the name of something else, mm. um, and then the apparently the priests gave them the breathing tools to clean themselves afterwards, so that they could go and do so to heal themselves. Yeah. So they'd be able to go and do the same thing the next day. You know, and the army today is interested in the same thing. You know, they they need a soldier not to be good once but to be able to go out time and time and time again yeah and, and do the job and um and so michael said that's where the that understanding of how to clean yourself with your breath came so a connection between religion and warriorship yeah and i'm sure in the east that that would have been the same with the the, the monks and the well um, the, the myth of the shaolin monks is always yeah. the, the sort of connection between religion okay. and martial arts isn't it yeah and there would have been i guess in those times very little separation of those things Mm. Of, it was just part of your life, you know, the, the two things, or everything. Yeah, separating and, things into different boxes is a very modern yeah. Western way to think about the world, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty convinced that a lot of the world doesn't even see it like that. No. You know, or, or didn't see it like that. Yeah. 
before industrial revolutions and you know modern life came along and told us what everything had to, how everything had to be categorized i'm sure back in the day it was all just part of everything isn't yeah it? yeah you and, know. and it's the martial arts in sistema sits a little bit like that like you know people think you know sistema russian martial arts but actually it's a part of a, a bigger thing you know mm. um the, the approach to life and the approach to thinking and the approach to movement the approach to your wellness health kind of mindset that kind of thing it all it, it sits in, in in a bit of a bigger thing that said it's the bit that defines it it's the bit that gives systemer its efficacy that understanding that okay so you can sit there and you can breathe calmly and smoothly you can bring your heart rate down can you do it when someone's coming after you can you do it when someone's on top of you can you do it if someone's coming after you with a knife or if yeah. two, three, three people can you do it under that a, a, a bit more pressure and that i think lets you know then a bit more whether it's yours or whether you've only got it under certain certain conditions i do think you the student needs to have a level of self-awareness yeah, to get sure. this or they need to develop it start developing it yeah so in the beginning you're just telling them okay you need to breathe yeah so maybe you don't have to tell them the whole story to start with you just go just yeah. breathe right yeah. yeah and little by little <laughs> they'll start and like typically they come back up the session and say blimey i never realized how much i hold my breath in yeah. their daily life and they'll just notice those things and then then they'll start to notice their own tension like where they're holding tension in their body and they become more aware of that and um and then slowly they start to see what causes the breath holding what causes the tension in the body and generally it's overthinking or um or emotional stuff that makes you kind of tighten and tense mm. but a, a full circle on the um the bit about the monks and the, and the warriors Vladimir, I don't know when the last time he went, but once a year he goes to a place called Mount Athos in Greece. Okay. So it's a place of, um, there's only monks on it. And it's like, there's some monasteries and you go there for some of the stuff they do. Like he said, one time they just stood for about eight hours <laughs> and, uh, and there were prayers being chanted and stuff. He says it's a very powerful place. Yeah. But, but when he went in there, he was walking down the, the dining hall and one of the monks jumped up and said, are you Vladimir Vasiliev? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I am. And he'd like dived on him <laughs> to kind of put him in a, a neck lock and lad just kind of escaped and said, look, I can't hit you, father. <laughs> but uh, they sat down and he was saying, I've seen your stuff on YouTube because obviously he had a life before he came into that. All right, and okay. he said, I've seen your stuff on YouTube and uh, you know, will you teach us some stuff about the breathing? And it's interesting, they'd forgotten those breath practices yeah. and Vladimir so they gave them to them in the first place and like full circle Vladimir kind of gave those oh, that's interesting in. isn't yeah. it yeah. yeah I remember you recommended back when we were more regularly in contact yeah. you recommended me that book about the Spartans uh, the Greek Gates of Fire Gates of Fire yeah, yeah great book yeah. and there's a lot of well there's a big section that about breathing hmm. and how the, the soldiers use breathing to release fear and and stuff and they had a, a whole system of Global like touching ones. points on the fate on the jaw because the sort of the jaw, the jaw sort of locked in when you were afraid and they were releasing yeah. tension and yeah it was that was really interesting and it kind of reminded me a lot of the sort of religious practices mm. um to do with breathing and, and letting go of things yeah. and singing and they say you know that there's a, a feeling you get by singing in, as part of a choir i'm not a singer but they no. say it's hard to touch that feeling of the coming together and how that sense of almost i don't know transcendence whatever that you feel that as you when you sing as part of a, a choir or just a group of people i guess yes yeah. so they say the people that do it say it just takes you to another place it does i mean even listening to a choir sing you can mm. you can uh, when they're physically there yeah. you know it's different to watching it on tv but you can yeah. you can really get a sense of the sort of emotion of, of things can't you yeah even if you're not i mean i can't sing for toffee no, so <laughs> I've, I've always said to myself i'm gonna get a professional singer to teach me how to sing a couple of christmas carols because i'd love to be one of those people that can stand in church and yeah me too not show off but sing and not be afraid to sing with yeah. a little bit of it's interesting what you said about the the jaw and um that i the seminar vlad just taught in in london and it, it was making a point of how the the lower part of the face is linked to the lower part of the body and like okay someone kind of tends up the legs the, the, the jaw tenses as well and it's that's why 
when someone gets fixed rigid, they can't even shout, you know, it kind of the, the two are linked. And as soon as you ambulate the legs, you free up the, the jaw. That was oh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you had that recent seminar with Vlad yeah. in London, didn't you? Which, yeah. And that was one that was presumably delayed because of lockdown. Yeah. And it finally happened again. So how did that go? Finally, yeah, good. So the numbers were about the same as they always were. Yeah. We normally, or the last couple of times, I've done it in Lillishaw, which is um, in Shropshire, the National Sports Centre. Right. And that's a pretty central place in the UK, but not great. Well, I mean, you've got Birmingham, but not as good for people coming from Europe or the rest of the world. So yeah. pre-COVID, we said, you know, why don't we try it in London and, and see if that, if that you know, makes it easier for people to get to. Um. But it, it's hard to tell because we had COVID in the middle yeah. and then the whole Russian thing. So, you know... The whole knows? Russian thing. Yeah. So who knows how uh, how it would have, it, whether it would have, you know, brought in better numbers. But it was still, it was good. It was a success. There was, a, like, I think about 160, 70 people. So, um, so yeah, it's good. It's great. Wow. That's quite big numbers. It's quite mm. good. So what did he teach you mainly over the... It's two days, wasn't it? Two days, yeah. So the, the theme of the seminar was disarm and control. Right. So it was um, mainly kind of knife and short stick and a bit similar to what we did. So, you know, trying to, to teach some concepts of, you know, freedom of response, freedom of movement um, and cleanness of movement with different drills and then gradually ramping those up into, you know, more. I'm laughing because it like, like you say, it's all the same stuff. It's, it's the same, stuff. it's the same four principles. Yeah like just in different applications yeah absolutely that yeah 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 and so yeah you can you're looking at the same things from as many different angles as you can to try and yeah. make them yours so that whatever happens whatever the situation is mm. whether it's just a stressful bit of time you're going through or whether whether it's a, a confrontation or you know whatever it might be that that you've got some tools that you can rely on reliably use to help you perform them a bit better in that situation yeah than... so I mean talking about looking at three different lenses like knife is one of those sort of lenses mm. that Sistema uses a lot and it's approach to knife work is very different to other martial arts so how, how does that develop so one of the things is you look at both sides so the attacker's working just as much as the defender is working so it's not like you're waiting for your go you know you're just yeah. feeding stuff in and waiting for your go so the attacker needs to make sure they're kind of cleaning their movements, they're breathing with it, they're not accumulating. One of the nice ways is that not just in training, but as you go through life, you know, trying to accumulate relaxation rather than tension and fatigue. So it won't just start from the knife in the hand and you come in with a stab, like so quite often the knife will be on the body somewhere and it goes right from the draw into in, into the attack. Mm. Um, and then kind of, so one other thing, I'm not sure if this is, a, is, this is exactly what you're asking, but so you're looking to see the decision to draw the knife. So right. like the, the moment of the knife coming towards you is there's been quite a few stages st before that. A there's lot been, of steps leading up to it. Yeah, the yeah. decision, the positioning, the preparation in the body, the act of drawing and then the act of moving towards. And in Systema you work to try and hide as much of that as you can in natural movement. And that way you kind of, you learn to be a bit cleaner in your movement yourself, but also you, you learn what to look for as the defender too. So, so you know, you work both ways. And then, yeah. it's funny, we were doing some knife work the other day and we just made the point, you know, that we were grappling and then you had a knife on you and at any time you could pull the knife and the other person had to, first of all, disengage at that moment. So move from being locked into a grappling <laughs> situation to disengage fast mm. as soon as that the situation changed. And then we did it where you had to draw your own knife at the same moment as they drew their knife so that you know you evened it up and then deal with how to kind of manage it to, to move but it's, it's based on the same things you know like light feet heavy hands so that you can you make you maintain mobility and that you know if, if there's a knife situation what you ideally don't want too much of is hard rigid shapes that, that can get cut caught that there's mm. a there's a real fluidity to the movement and a um and, and a mobility so that you know you, you've ideally got options to escape at any moment or to control restrain disarm hit yeah i mean once knives get involved i kind of i was talking to matthew kruger he thought there was a lack in martial arts of the morality of when you use them there's a lot of here's what you do hmm. like here, here, you know these are all the techniques and the 
and the you know how you deal with this how this situation this situation but he, he felt that quite often martial arts lacked the kind of like when you use them mm. like you know is it drunk person is it a, a violent attacker is it just a rowdy uncle at a wedding you know there's that sort of there's graduations and layers yeah how would you teach that in Sistema so so one of the ideal principles is that you stay you know like I said you don't have to become some berserker for Sistema to be effective you don't mm. have to rely on maximal aggression and and you know just going all out for 30 seconds to finish the fight or however many seconds it lasts that you can um, maintain a, a calmness and an emotional cleanness and do enough what you need to do but no more is is the ideal that you strive for that you can you're aware of what you're doing as you're doing it and you don't just kind of be yeah. a berserker so there's that in terms of the morality that you know you you defend yourself or someone that you, you're defending um, enough but no more um, and so and, and in, like if, if we're doing knife work you're not teaching knife fighting you're not teaching people to be assassins or anything <laughs> like that even though it's come from the army and yeah. even though the army would teach those things so like and what I say when I'm teaching people how to draw a knife smoothly effectively just the same as a soldier learns how to put a magazine on take it off put it in the pouch and yeah. not have to look at it yeah. you know be able to, re to clean the stoppage and stuff you want those immediate action drills to be precise and smooth and reliable under pressure of sweat, mud, blood, high stress. So, you know, though, and, and especially the fine motor control stuff under high stress. So it, 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 A, I'm not teaching people to be knife fighters, but how to deliver more of a real awareness of what, a, what a, those movements might look like if someone was coming for you, so that mm. you'd be easy to defend against. Yeah. But also, I don't think there's many people that come to me to train because they go out and use this regularly you know it's just another way it's a different form of stress and another way to to learn how to move smoothly softly you know yeah. cleanly um and not in tension I, I mean i guess it's just the, the there's a lot of media perception of things with knives being mm. dangerous and bad and if i went home and told my mum look i've just been learning how to garrote someone with a knife i don't think she'd be very impressed no. but so i said i've been learning to relax and move and I, I think she but oh that's really interesting yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we use a knife but we use a like, knife <laughs> we use knife attacks yeah but um, I mean equally you know you use a knife to, to carve up your chicken on a Sunday don't yeah, you yeah. it's like yeah. it, it's not like we don't use knives everyone yeah. uses knives everyone uses and there was a time when every, nearly everyone would have carried a knife yeah because yeah. it was a practical you, you needed one to yeah. do stuff in yeah. everyday life didn't you yeah nice. or as your trade or whatever and and I, I bet you people were more polite then. <laughs> manners, you know, one of the better forms of self-defense, good manners and, you know. Well, there's no internet then as well, which yeah. that makes a difference, it doesn't, doesn't it? Just, yeah. yeah. So there's a question. So how, how do you think, or do you think any of the stuff that you did this morning you could bring into play in your jujitsu? Oh, I was thinking about that, training? like in the back of my head as I was mm. doing it. I don't know, because I had this when I... From doing Tai Chi, started mm. Jiu Jitsu. Mm. Everyone was like, "Well, how does Tai mm. Chi relate to Jiu Jitsu? Yeah. What can he bring into this?" Yeah. And I just don't know. I don't. There's no easy answer mm. to that question. I think you are what you do, essentially. Mm. So if you do a lot of Tai Chi, you kind of it's in you, right? Yeah. And it comes out under pressure. What, so under pressure, what you what is it in what you've kind of absorbed? I think just comes out. Yeah. So it's it's. It's almost like it's too hard to to keep those things, mm. posture, breathing, movement, and the other one that I've forgotten. What's the other one? Relaxation. <laughs> Relaxation. Yeah. To focus on those things, I I think I'd have to, mm. um, while doing jujitsu at the same time. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, it's a tall order. It is. I think it's more like you need to focus on on those things in daily life a little yeah. bit, and then it would. I think it would just seep in. You know, I think it's that, it's not yeah. like it's not it's not something you you start doing. Is it like a technique? It's yeah. more like it becomes you. It's exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. But it, in terms of my experience, mm. um, yeah, if you, you kind of train it, and then you apply it, then you kind of relax and in, like Eastern profound become it kind of thing. It kind of it informs the kind of what you do. Yeah, I, I remember Konstantin Komarov, one of the, the guys out of Russia. Said it's, it's like when he 
you first start training you plant some seeds inside and then kind of they they start to grow and and like your movements you know your, your interactions become more informed by those ideas yeah so i mean but the one thing that you know probably i would say you could or would notice quite quick is you notice if you're holding your breath during certain bits and just breathe out and then so yeah just that one thing in fact that's probably the thing i'd start with i'd, yeah. I'd probably just like i say it's all directly applicable to everything you do so mm. jiu-jitsu is just another one of those things you do right yeah sure yeah yeah i don't think it's particularly more applicable than it is to me getting in the car to drive back you know they're all the same yeah same idea i think they're all the same yeah. thing aren't yeah. they yeah 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 michael i remember saying about i think it was to do with someone was doing a what should be a natural easy movement but kind of jumping into it and making it quite stancy and it kind of yeah had the idea that you know when you when you cut a slice of bread and butter it you know you don't do dramatic kind of <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't kung fu my bread do it. I? <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's quite funny the kind of the 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 visual he's a very funny guy and vlad is actually but the the, the imagery around um the, telling that little story anecdote was very good but very apt too that if you can do something kind of just very normally then do it that way yeah just, just do what it takes kind of thing exactly don't draw attention to it yeah 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 so what uh, so what's next for um systema so here in, in wiltshire i've got um we've got i've got a, a seminar coming up in november called uh, natural movement which is you know taking this idea of natural response natural movement and then you know gradually enlarge on the complexity and stuff of the, those ideas mm-hmm. for, for a long weekend then i've got uh, i normally do like a breath work movement work seminar in january and then I've got a jungle expedition next October. Oh, I was going to talk to you about these jungle expeditions. You started going off the jungle, huh. and living like a wild man for a, <laughs> a few for a week, haven't you? Don't about wild man. It's, <laughs> it's a bit of a cross between that and how a soldier approaches living in the jungle. Right. So, but they're quite similar. Mm. I, I mean, and you know, wild man is kind of a native, I guess. But the the idea of that, and it's quite. Like we said, you can apply the stem wherever you go. But I had one guy that's been training with me for about seven years that came to both Borneo and Guatemala, and he said, you know, he kind of got the, the idea of breathing and, and moving softly and that sort of thing. Mm. But he said he never really understood it until we went to the jungle, and right. you know, you're carrying fairly heavy load up some fairly steep hills, and so you're under pressure conditions, and yeah. your breath is under pressure, like yeah. step by step. And how you know if you if you make each breath a little bit better, that makes a big difference at the end of mm. you know, a, a day of of that. Yeah, so we've got that in October. So this is a where where's the next one to? India. India. So it's in the and India is a big place, but it's in the Arunachal Pradesh, which is the north east corner of India. Right. Up, right up where it borders China Mongolia. It's in there, kind of the foothills of the eastern Himalayas and um, and it's largely unexplored it's, it's wow. kind of part of the jungle that kind of there's no obviously there's no maps there it's uh, only locals ever go in there and they don't go in there that deep or far so so you're taking a group of people from Britain yeah and all around the world actually all around the world people from all around the world yeah how many in total so I'm taking this time I'm taking 20 ideally 24 24 yeah okay so and then how long do they spend that is a trek through the jungle right Move, yeah moving each day to yeah a different campsite each night so um, how many days so uh, there'll be seven days seven days yeah. of continual sort of moving through the jungle yeah largely unexplored yeah you wow. set up your camp each night so you, uh, and you everything you need is on your back so you've got your sleeping system which is a hammock and a tarp yeah um you've all your food for seven days you wow. carry with you Talk about getting back to basics. It really is. Yeah, yeah your whole life is carried on your back. Yeah, that's and, basically. And and you've got to have the skills, you know, to be able to, to to set it up, make it you know rainproof. And do you do a bit of teaching those yeah. skills before? Yeah. So there's a, a, a one or two meetups generally, plus there's some videos I've put together and stuff. And it's not actually that complicated. The complex bit is being on top of your personal admin. Yeah, because um, things catch up with you quite quick out there if you if, if you're careless cut, if you're careless cut a few corners yeah. it doesn't take long in those sort of environments to catch up for example one of the guys that came on the, the Borneo one 
didn't want to get out of his hammock at night for a pee. So he peed in an empty bottle and then just poured it out of the side of his hammock. Right. And then, of course, that attracted a lot of insects, the ammonia. And when he got out of bed in the morning, because it's still just, you can't quite see everything clearly. So it's just kind of breaking at dawn and um, put his feet down and suddenly got bit by some fire ants. Oh, three or four bites all at once. Oh no. And kind of then, you know, that, that set him back about 20, 30 minutes recovering from that, which meant he didn't have, he, he took a shortcut thinking, I'm not that hungry. Because you're not hungry really, but you realize food is fuel, they're not in and, and if you haven't got the fuel, then you, you run out. By, yeah, by kind of mid-afternoon. Mm. So to get on time with packing his kit down and being ready to move off, he kind of, um, he kind of skipped, he didn't tell me, but he skipped his dinner at lunch breakfast. And then by about four in the afternoon, he just collapsed. Wow. So it, it catches up. And he had a lunch, you know, but that, that missed meal kind of caught up. Yeah. I'm not saying that would be the same for everybody, but... But it could you be, know, it you know, be. like those yeah, are things that can happen if you're yeah. not... Yeah, yeah. but it, but it's the most, you know, for me, I, I, you know, it's the most magical environment. You know, the the, mm. the variety of sights, sounds, smells. So no, there'd be no artificial lighting anywhere, would there? If it, like, you, just, you, you can see all the stars I'm taking, yeah. which is on it in itself an amazing thing if you've never seen how many there are. And to know that the air you breathe is completely pure, uncontaminated, you know, yeah. and the, the water you're drinking. Um, I guess you can hear animals too in the jungles. Yeah, you, you'd be surprised. People think, well, oh, you'll see everything. But obviously, you know, they don't 20 want... blokes walking through. Yeah. They can see you, but you can't see them. Yeah. Um, so, but, you, you know, almost every inch of the jungle is occupied by something. So mm. there's plenty of stuff around. And you hear it at night. Yeah. Like there's that moment of about a minute or so when it goes from, because it's obviously quite close to the equator from dusk till dawn yeah. India will be a bit further north actually so when, when it go, when the, the light goes and it's like someone turns a dinner switch mm. and then in that minute or so just everything that can make a noise makes a noise in the jungle really and, you know <laughs> monkeys are jumping up and down in the trees and screeching <laughs> and it's just it's incredible you think my goodness how can I ever sleep through that yeah but it only lasts a, a short period and then by night two or three you don't notice it wow well, I guess you've got the campfire going You'd, we don't generally have a big main campfire because it's it's not like everyone comes in a circle you know I, I kind of with the groups I split them into three subgroups with the big group I split them into three subgroups mm. and each, each group has a, a kind of a, a group leader for that particular segment or phase or day and um, I'll give each group an area so so it's not so much like a um, a, a big circle or a corral of people Yeah, it's kind of people a bit more dispersed than that but it's amazing because you know there, there's no other you can very realistically just take a step off the track or just walk five ten meters out of where your thing is and think maybe no one's ever stood here before yeah, you know, and yeah. i'm looking at things that maybe no eyes have ever seen before. I, i'd be thinking if i if i fell asleep here like this would be the like no one would ever see me again because they they go on without me and i'd be i'd be lost in the jungle I'd be, yeah so the interesting thing is, I put in a lot of the mechanisms that are not, that, are, that the army has when they move in to prevent things like that happening. Someone walking yeah. off for a pee, tripping, rolling down. So the there's game. like like a, a name call. There's like, a buddy buddy uh, system, uh, so yeah. you, you know you check where your buddy is. If you're going off for a pee, you say you to tell them, someone. I'm just going down there for a pee. I'll be yeah. two minutes and I'll be back. I'm just going over the brow of that hill. So yeah. all those little mechanisms that you take for granted, I kind of implement and the passage of messages, hand signals, and that kind of stuff. Wow. last man in so so they and people love the learning that's because that's much older than an army that's that that's a you know timeless scouting skills really for, yeah you know native tribes that the army's absorbed those lessons and so skills. you you kind of i know you had your army background but you you i think you kind of got into bushcraft a bit first yeah. didn't you and well, then no after 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 the army okay yeah and then it's it's evolved into jungle craft <laughs> yeah so well i mean still bushcraft it really but yeah i am um, and it's kind of just organically morphed. Mm. So like I did, one of the things I, that attracted me to Sistema first was the practicing of it in different environments, fields, forests, with trees around, you know, mm. and even slopes, rocky areas. And then, um, and then I, you know, one of the, my first big um, intros to it was to go on the Vladimir's summer camp, which he holds in the forest in the north of Toronto by a big lake. So you do work in the water too. Yeah, and, I've uh, seen pictures of you like right. punching people in water. Yeah, 
And um, and I thought this is brilliant, you know, because it, mm. it drew together quite a few bits of my background and interests, and I've, I've always loved getting in nature and the trees and stuff. And um, so like, and I'd done a few of those things in Aikido, but done them as Aikido kind of patrols camps. Yeah. So I did it with a system of flavor and it, and it lends itself very well. And then people would say, ah, oh, it'd be good to go somewhere a bit wilder. And, and so I did a few in Sweden, because in Sweden you pretty much, you can quite quickly go into a forested area and you know, you walk a couple of hours and there's no one around. Right. No, no man-made tracks or yeah, anything like that. Yeah. So I, I did those for like three or four years. And then someone said, yeah, would you, go the extra step because I used to talk about you know the importance of different skills and like if you're in the jungle for example then it's really important that you think about this because in, in that environment and I'd, I'd tell stories about it and then you know a couple of them said what do you have to do the jungle and um, so eventually I kind of looked into it and did it wow mm. and it was actually well firstly I couldn't find anyone that did because I thought well I'll just piggyback on someone else's thing that they already do but bring the people along and see if I can manage them, you know. Mm. And I, I couldn't find anyone that did this. And I was really surprised because it, uh, you know, in my mind, it's not really a complex or a kind of too out there thing. But clearly so, it is. You know, I mean, to me, it, it sounds, a, and I guess I'm not involved in any bushcraft type things, but it even if I was, I think this would be like a, a step up. But like you say, it also sounds like you, you just do the same things you would do in Sweden. Hmm. But you just do them the, somewhere else. Yeah, that's it. You know, and and thing yeah, and, and things are a little bit upped because of you know your mm. things have to be a little bit more together and on point. Yeah. Um, and Sweden, we would generally move to one area and stay there for the week, whereas in the jungle you're moving every day. So that skill of set up, take down, uh, finding your area, making sure you've got everything everything back in the right place, so that when you need it next, it's there. And yeah, I guess there's greater risk as well, isn't there? If it's in like. For one thing, it's in another country that's maybe doesn't have the same healthcare provision, mm. but also it, you, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, literally the middle of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah by definition. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's lots more things that can catch you, bite you. Although you know the biggest risk, by far the biggest risk I have out there is people's machetes. So whichever right. part of the world we go to, I I get their version of the, the jungle knife, which yeah. is you know in. Borneo, it was uh, a parang. In mm. Guatemala, it was a machete. In in northern India, it would be a dao, which is like a long Chinese, almost like a sword. Mm. Um, so, in a, in a different part of India, it might be a kukri, which is the Gurkha knife. Mm. Um, but uh, but there is a dao. Be interesting to see it, actually. So, well, that, and everyone brings that. That's home what we called um, the broadsword in Thai cheese. Called a dao. Oh, okay, right. So it's the same name. It means knife, I think. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Um, but it's like it's quite long. It's kind of, it, it, yeah, there's long, and it's kind of like it, it's like a willow leaf sort of that's it. shape. So yeah. it goes bigger in the middle, then right. down to a point. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, it must be the same thing. Hmm. So yeah, by far the biggest danger is people swinging that round. So yeah, catch themselves. Yeah, a bit. catch themselves, or you know, heaven forbid, someone else. So yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's a it kind of it's a once in a lifetime experience for people, you know, to experience that, and it's just. You know, awestruck is. I remember one of the guys that he's he'd been on the Sweden trips and UK trips and and we got to the jungle and I, on day three I think it was it was a beautiful spot it was by a river and there was like a pool you could dive in and swim and and it's like a lovely temperature and mm. you know that that's where you can walk around with no you don't but you can walk around with no clothes on because Could it's do. so comfortable temperature yeah yeah and. Um, and he just stood on the bank of this river looking down and there were just some trees that went up and he just couldn't see the top. And there were the birds flying and there was some mist and he just said, he said, wow, he said, I just never imagined that it would be just as I imagined in my mind. <laughs> you know, those images you have of Tarzan in the jungle. Yeah. And he said, it's just, it's, it's, it's exactly like it. You know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got some local guides to help you? Yeah, so wherever we go, we, we get some local guys to take us for safety, and and, mm. but, and initially it was that, like for safety and sharing. But um, one of the, the biggest surprises for me when I did Borneo was how lovely an experience it was to over the seven days, because initially everyone's a bit, stand, they're a bit standoffish of us, and yeah. we have them, and 
and then you know how you start to literally around you know they always have a campfire every night you start to come together and they invite people down and start sharing their knowledge and skills mm. and um and that that really took me by surprise in borneo and it, it uh, when i was given the final talk um, and the thank you and everything and I, I kind of started to elucidate it as i was thinking it through and i, I was a bit teary because um i remember as a young boy like I'd always loved Tarzan and stuff like that, but I particularly loved the stuff like Dancers of Wolves, where mm. they'd been able to go and learn a little bit of how those cultures had done things, and you know, absorb those lessons and see how they how they move through an environment, how they mm. work in an environment, how they become part of an environment, you know. And that came off these guides, and it and it uh, and I'd kind of given up any part. Well, I went to Japan and lived in Japan, you know, and then. Um, it had always been like a a strong pull in me to learn the old ways, you know, or mm. what they had to teach. And I I always thought, you know, those days are gone. That you know, there's fewer and fewer places where you can go and do that. And it happened completely unexpectedly mm. in that moment. And it was quite a yeah, quite a moment for me. Nice. Yeah. Well, good luck with your next trip. Thank you. And Thank you. Uh, well done with building your amazing Systema Academy in Wiltshire. Thanks, Graham. And thank you for teaching me this morning. I really enjoyed it. Oh, it was a, a real pleasure. Real yeah. Well, you know, you taught me so much with uh, the, the, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe we'll get back to that at some yeah. point. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks, Graham. What a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about the Tai Chi Notebook podcast at www.thetaichinotebook.com. You can support us by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Tai Chi Notebook. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll tune in next time.